source, your home for way too long pre-episode conversations. I'm Nathan, your most exuberant host. I'm Andy, your host that's mostly concerned that the audience will not get that reference, but okay. I'm Pat. I'm probably have the highest ranked Clicker Heroes clan of the hosts. I'd say that's pretty likely. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Nobody's contesting me on that. There you go. I do see you. The crown goes to you, my friend. Number seven in the world, actually. I... Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, number seven. Yeah. Why? Look at you. <laughs> that is really so Wait, hold on. The, Stop the podcast. The muscles in this lane your forearms. <laughs> which is not a, really the joke you want to make. But. I will say, like, in Discord, I'll see you, like, you're never not on. Cause, like, right. Well, it's you're, an idle game, so you can have it running, like, it'll run while I'm at work. Oh, man. I've done, like, the cooking. It's not that I'm the best player in the world. It's yeah. that I have the best run clan. So... I, I I love those like idle incremental games. I've played like Cookie Clicker a bunch of times. I've played like a bunch of stuff where you can walk away from it. Yeah, it's Adventure not like Capitalist. I think is another one. It's definitely not mm-hmm. my life's work. Like it's That's not my legacy that I think I'll be remembered by. Number seven on Cookie uh, or on, uh, on Clicker Heroes. Heroes is going to be on your tombstone. Okay, Ooh, for well, sure. Mm, we peaked at number five, but we've. Oh. Uh, We've slid a little bit Wait. since then, but still number seven. In I'm gonna world. need I'm gonna need a little clarification to the word we. Uh, we, my clan, me okay. and like you know nine other people. All right, so uh, <laughs> how was your guys' week? Did you guys have a, a good week or? Mm, I think I talked about it last episode, but uh, I'm currently not on any pain medication right now. Oh really? Um, and I'm feeling fine. I had four That's teeth. Cool. Uh, oh yeah, I I don't think I have talked about no. it on the podcast. So you talked about you were going to. Yes. So uh, I went in on Saturday and had the three remaining wisdom teeth yanked, as well as the uh, number thirty-one that they were threatening to root canal me on. I just had it pulled. It's a strong alpha move. Dominance (laughs) over the tooth. Oh man. So uh, it's a fun. It's a fun feeling when you're completely numbed up. They novocaine the hell out of me. Jab me. I don't know. I want to say fifteen times. Yeah. And it's a fun thing when you can't feel anything in your mouth, but you hear a crunch from mm. inside your mouth and feel little shards of what I assume were tooth fall on my tongue. Yeah. That sucked real bad. There's one tooth that uh, he thought he was just going to be able to pull, but it turned out to be impacted in the bone, so he had to drill it out. Right. That was not great. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm I'm glad you're feeling better. Question. I'm mark? feeling so much better. That's like good. the thing is, even like directly after. So first of all, this episode, I will probably swap out the intro that I did for an intro that I recorded immediately after, uh, when my <laughs> mouth was completely numb. Ah uh, yes. I had a very numb mouth when I recorded it. Mush mouth, maybe. But the the bottom line is, I felt awful before, and even. The pain of dealing with the teeth being pulled was is still way better than the tooth pain I was dealing with. Really, the nerve pain because yeah. the nerves were the problem. And the other thing is, I can drink really cold stuff again mm. and not have a problem. I've been drinking tepid water for like a week. Is there pain that's not nerve pain? Psychological suffering, I suppose. Man, that is not a thing that I am. I know enough about. <laughs> I think it's all nerve pain, but... right? Uh, so my week was fairly uneventful. I watched Super Bowl last night, which was fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the Chiefs. 
Chiefs won. I was impressed. They had, it was a good game. It was a lot of fun. It wasn't um, an incredibly high-scoring game. That's great. I love it. I it was like a very defensive defense game. game. I love defense. Basketball bores the crap out of me because they're scoring every 30 seconds. I don't care. Right. I hate, I so you like must basketball. be a huge hockey fan. Um, I do like hockey, but I don't know enough about the sport to really be a, call myself a huge fan. I uh, hockey's I, great to watch. I like live. soccer, and I like watching baseball, especially a really great pitcher matchup. That intrigues me. I think that's where th- that's that's where there's fun and interest. If they're if everybody just scores at will, there's nothing interesting until the very f- last few minutes, and that sucks. We we also watched the Superb Owl, and I thought yeah. it was good. I didn't have a dog in the fight. I didn't care who won. Yeah, but it was it was interesting. Ooh, they like kept won. it close. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> ah, got him, got him. All right. Um, yeah, but it was. I mean, it was a good game. Yeah. I unfortunately the one downside of having four teeth pulled is I am limited to soft food right now. Hmm. And so trying to figure out what soft, like walking through the grocery store, trying yeah. to figure out what soft foods are. Oh, my wife actually is amazing and made me homemade applesauce. That's oh, dope. Yes. It's very good. Uh, I've been having a lot of mashed potatoes, a lot of soup, nice. stuff like that. You did pretty well with that pizza yesterday. The The nice thing is I was on Oxy yesterday, <laughs> so I was able to do a lot of things. I'm pretty sure I could have, I'm pretty sure I could punch through a concrete wall I wouldn't recommend I wouldn't it. like what happened yeah. on the other side of it, but no, no I, I ate a little pizza yesterday. And it was good. I had a pretty good week. Um so I had fun playing Androids yesterday. Um <laughs> that's most of what happened to me. I didn't Do you uh, wanna I give worked. a little context to Androids? Yeah. Um yeah, so it's a campaign for uh it's like Dungeons and Dragons. It's not quite Dungeons and Dragons, but it's like a a module that I am writing the campaign and also writing the rules for. So there's a little bit of flexibility in coming up with our own rules. And how, how would you classify that? A tabletop RPG is, is that yeah, it's the... a tabletop RPG. It's it's okay. very much like a halfway point between Cthulhu and D and D with rules just like blatantly stolen from both <laughs> um but also homebrewed rules i wanted to make it more physics based and more like real world equivalents and less fantastical so if something is made out of lead you know it weighs a certain amount it's going to have a certain amount of force impacting something else versus something else that's made out of aluminum is going to be lighter and it's going to have less force as an impact. Just using uh, real-world materials as like sort of the base for some of the stats. Mm-hmm. And then also a lot of just spitballing the stats, because that's kind of where I come from, is just like... You know, being able to make it up on the fly. So yeah, the DM screen is a very handy thing. <laughs> like, oh, I rolled another natural twenty. Amazing. <laughs> I'm so true. good at this game. Well, no, <laughs> nobody can get upset at me at the monster's stats if the monster does not have stats. Yep, that is so. not that's not at all true. <laughs> I think well, that's one thing we never talked about. Is we all? Uh, I don't mean to out you guys, but we all do. Uh, yeah. We're all part of a role playing group together. And we kind of have the... No, we're not. I'm not. No, I'm not a nerd. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm a super nerd. But we have the holy grail of groups in that we have five of us who all make an effort to show up every week. week 
Not only that, but every single one of us is also a dungeon master. In, uh, to some degree, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, some degree. Maybe a novice, so but very like, no, but like, do it. I am definitely like the worst. No, I would, of the five I would of say, us. I wouldn't say that at all. Of the five of but, us? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think oh. I take that. Yours was great. So you did, um, you did a campaign where we were these evil uh, henchmen. Yeah, I think we goblins. Hench quest. And hench quest. Yeah. So, and you devised us, and that was, that was one of the most fun campaigns, and one of the only campaigns that we actually finished and didn't just all die. I, I did have a blast on that one. I love I'm not going to knock the Henge Quest. I know that it's Henge a little bit of a was niche, one of the best ones that I've But it was seen, great. So. What else did you DM? That's it. That's it. That's all I've so, done. So then I think that you're done. I think we've done I, upper echelon. I did one last, like, uh, I did the one last job, which did not turn out as well. Oh, that's right. No, that was fun too. But I that was a different kind of game. But no, but the thing is, I think more than how good we are at it, each mm. one of us is willing to do it. Whereas with most yeah. groups, they're lucky if they meet once a month and they're lucky if they have one guy yeah. or one girl or one person who's willing to step into that <laughs> DM role. Yeah. Um, I totally would love to talk about D&D all day, but didn't we, uh, we had something that we wanted to talk about today as a topic? As we speak right now, the Republicans are making their terrible bad faith argument for why the president should be acquitted. Right. So we're looking at the impeachment trial again today, uh, bow, bow, which bow, bow. is very topical because it's going on. I think to a certain degree, it's a foregone conclusion at this point, which I, I would be very surprised if any votes change. Absolutely. We're going to be 53-47. I think from the very beginning, we were going to be 53-47, which is the breakdown of the Democrats and independents and Republicans. Right. So when, when you're talking about the whole thing, yeah, there are things to talk about for the process and what's going on, but I'm equally interested or maybe more interested in what is going to be the takeaway from this? Like, mm -hmm. what is going to be the long-lasting impact of this impeachment? Yes, and and I 100%, that's where I'm looking at this point, too. And we've known that this is going to be a foregone conclusion since it started. We knew how this was going to go, and it sure enough has pretty much held true to that. Uh, we thought for a minute that maybe there would be enough votes to bring witnesses to have John Bolton, maybe Nick Mulvaney, um, Lev Parnas, Lev Parnas come testify, but, and, and, and it was close. Hunter Biden. So what's, but, yeah, you know what? So, all right. But, but it was, right. It didn't work. It didn't work. They did not pass, they did not pass that to, um, to bring the witnesses. And so we're moving on to the acquittal. And like you said, it's pretty much going to be just a partisan vote. And I think what, I'm focused on at this point is the legacy, and I think there's two parts of it that really worry me and disturb me. I'm not so concerned about the legacy of not impeaching on that first article of impeachment, the the attempt to abuse, the abuse power. of power and attempt to skew the election. And the reason I'm less concerned about that is I think that is something that can be legislated against very easily. Sure. I think that you can get a bipartisan effort kind of behind that or just a way to control it or something. I think that that can be this, managed. This was the legislative option for so, that. This was the only legislative option for that. It would be impeachment of... Well, president. kind of. But, yeah, I mean, like, I'm saying that they can come up with a, a law about how foreign intervent or foreign powers can participate, so to speak, in for, elections. I, for what I, for what it's worth, I would agree with Pat on this in that... 
we have that law, and he broke it. Well, okay, but... But it doesn't matter that I'm he saying, broke it, because there's no consequences for anything. But, well, but, but, but this is the, the process. This is the process is impeachment. I'm not saying it's not the a, only a, remedy well, for it. Right, so impeachment is the process by which you would handle this. It's the only option that you would use to handle this. I don't even necessarily cede the point that there was a law that was on the books that was broken. What I'm saying is the only remedy that you could possibly have if a law was broken would be the impeachment process, and that's what we did. Well, he's, as long as, because of a DOJ uh, memo, uh, that said the president is not able to be indicted. He can't, he can't go to prison for anything he does while he's president. There's been no criminal, uh, investigation of the president. That includes the Mueller investigation because the Mueller investigation did not see indictment as an option. It says so right there in the investigation. So there's plenty of things that can happen to the president after he's not the president anymore. He can go to jail. <laughs> Right. Which is hopefully will. I think, I mean, the point I wanted to make there was, was more that I think in terms of legacy, in terms of, of precedent, mm -hmm. that is a, a little bit of an easier precedent to overturn in, fu in future. I'd agree with that. So the other, the other two parts of this are more concerning to me. The, the dismissal of the second article of impeachment, the obstruction of justice. Congress. That's a huge, uh, of Congress. Congress. Obstruction of Congress. That's a huge problem because Congress is making it okay for the president to obstruct Congress. Right. Congress is basically cutting their dick off. <laughs> like, that's, that's it. There's that's going to be a weird, unnecessary bleep I need to make in this episode. <laughs> they're, they're, they're screwing the, their own selves. And they're doing it well, gleefully, and it's ter it's it's disturbing. In the same way that conservatives are now happy to screw their grandchildren in terms of climate the environment yeah, or sure. like the economy or whatever. At least for the president, it's all about getting out of the situation that he's in at this exact moment. Yeah. If he's being asked an uncomfortable question, what he wants to do is he wants to answer that question. It doesn't matter to him if he can be proven wrong tomorrow or mm -hmm. in an hour from now. What he wants to do is stop that interview that's happening at the time. So, so to me, it boils down to two main points. Like, how is this different from the Nixon and Clinton impeachments? Mm -hmm. And the second point is, what is the separation of powers going to look like in the future? In the Constitution, we have this concept of separation of powers, also called checks and balances, where the executive branch enforces laws that Congress writes and uh, the Supreme Court interprets. There are ways that no one of those three oversteps its bounds and becomes too powerful. What do we think about separation of powers? Because one of the issues that came up in this trial was executive privilege, mm -hmm. but they didn't overturn executive privilege as a part of Congress. What does the separation of powers mean? Like, if executive privilege can be overturned by Congress, or conversely, if the president is not beholden to the impeachment process? So one of the big problems that came up is that the president never exerted executive privilege. 
He never he never used it. He he just said, "I'm not going to give you this stuff." If you're had, talking about the uh, the the facts of the case, I'm talking about executive privilege in terms of uh, denying witnesses. He used executive privilege to block witnesses from testifying, and he used executive privilege to deny subpoenas for evidence. Oh, the precedence is terrible because it basically... What so there's Congress two contexts is, of executive privilege. Right, but what Congress has decided is that the president can do whatever he wants. That the, <laughs> That's no, a direct the, quote. <laughs> the president, like, Article 2 says I can do whatever I want, uh, is what the president <laughs> said. But basically, they've said it doesn't matter... If so, it's taken away Congress's right to be able to investigate the president, to investigate the executive branch, because he didn't allow, he didn't send witnesses, he didn't send documents, he didn't give an excuse as to why he didn't do it, and he didn't testify, and he didn't testify, he didn't talk to Mueller, he lied. We know he lied. He he's lied a bunch of times, but he lied to Mueller. He like in the um in the written documents that he provided, it's. Not great. So Congress has said none of that matters. And what they don't understand, like Andy was saying, is that there's nothing stopping the next Democratic president from doing whatever they want because they don't have to provide any evidence at all as long as they have a majority, majority in, Congress, in the Senate. Senate. Like, yeah, in either but house. That being said, having a majority in the Senate for a Democrat is a very difficult thing to do. The Senate has two people from each state, but the states that are more highly populated are the ones that tend to be more Democratic. There are a lot more states that tend Republican, but they have a much lower population, those states, uh, which is why the House is controlled by the Democrats and the Senate is controlled by the Republicans. So it would be very, very difficult for the Democrats to actually have that safety net. Well, place. it's happened before. There's been a Democratic supermajority yeah, under Obama. Man, I, w I would love a strong... It has happened before, yeah. but it's not super common. I would love a strong moderate force in really either... So can we... This might be a good pivot point to talk about the Democratic nominees... If we've said enough about impeachment. Oh, man, I haven't said nearly enough about impeachment. So oh, here's okay. my thing about impeachment. The Republicans have broken their oath. The Democrats very clearly proved the case. Now, the you're, you're going to have to guide me through that. Case. You're going to have to hold my hand to get me to that they've broken their oath. What oath? Every senator took an oath to be an objective juror, to listen to the facts, and then to vote their conscience based on those facts. I can tell you that a lot of them left the room. And it's not just a Republican thing. A lot of Democrats left the room. It's mostly Republicans, but that's fine. You mean literally left the room? Literally left the room. Okay. They're supposed to sit in their spot. Rand Paul uh, put a question to John Roberts uh, because the process is strange. You don't get to talk directly to either the representatives from the House or the to the president's, the president's lawyers, yeah. you have to write your question down on a piece of paper, announce it, have it walked up to John Roberts, who is running the whole thing, and then he reads it out loud. Rand Paul wrote a question asking for the name of the whistleblower, which is another red herring by the Republicans, because you can't release that information. And also, it doesn't matter 
because every single thing the whistleblower said has been confirmed by independent sources. Right. So when I asked you to walk me along, like we're we're there. Like, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I buy that they broke their oath. Like they they made an oath to be impartial and objective. I don't really have a good argument for that they the the Democrats they were stated objective. their case no, over and over really. again. Right. There's no yeah. There's they have been pretty forthright about the fact that they are not objective. Yeah, Mitch McConnell came out he on TV said, and said he, he said it. In he said words. the president's position, the president's counsel's position is the same as our position, lockstep, before the process even started. Yeah, he said we've been working closely with the White House on this. So they we're going to be in close communication with when the White I say, House. When I said earlier, there's no, uh, there's no uh, result. There's nothing that can happen to you because you've broken the law. This is another thing. They've broken their oath. What does it matter? There, is there is there any force between breaking your oath? I, I really was like right about to ask that. So like, what matters to the American people? Is it? important that you don't break oaths. So is, you, is that a thing that is going to uh, be decided on in the next election? Is Are we only going to vote for people who uphold their oath? I'm a little skeptical. Yeah. So maybe this is something that somebody could look up really quick because my phone is recording. But um, I do believe that you can impeach or, or vote no confidence in your senators. Um, and representatives, um, I think that there is a process for them to be removed from office if, for say, breaking their oath. Back check, back check, back check. Welcome back to Fact Check. According to the Congressional Research Service, and I quote, under the United States Constitution and congressional practice, members of Congress may have their services ended prior to the normal expiration of their constitutionally established terms of office by their resignation or death or by action of the House of Congress in which they are a member by way of an expulsion, or by finding that in accepting a subsequent incompatible public office, the member would be deemed to have vacated his congressional seat. Under Article 1, Section 5, Clause 2 of the Constitution, a member of Congress may be removed from office before the normal expiration of his or her constitutional term by an expulsion from the Senate, if a senator, or from the House of Representatives, if a representative, upon a formal vote on a resolution agreed by two-thirds of the members of that body presenting and voting. While there are no specific grounds for an expulsion expressed in the Constitution, expulsion actions in both the House and the Senate have generally concerned cases of perceived disloyalty to the United States or the conviction of a criminal statute offense which involved abuse of one's official position. And that's it. Now back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. We're having two different conversations here. There's the conversation, there's a political conversation, mm. which is very different from the effective conversation. It frustrates me that Republicans have decided to break their oath and effectively, not effectively, like they have lied to the American people. The president's lawyers lied over and over again when they stood up in front of the Senate saying, for example, that during the House process that uh, Republicans weren't allowed to bring forward witnesses. They were. That they weren't given equal time. They were. And it 
it is bonkers to me that you can go ahead and lie to the Senate and to the American people in front of the Senate. That seems really bad to me. That well, seems like you should be disbarred. Well, was what you would refer to as an alternative defense. So throwing out a lot of alternatives. Oh, he he didn't do anything wrong. But if he did, it's not impeachable. But if it is, it's not worthy of removing him from office, right? Kind of just going down the ladder and just saying, look, Here's something, giving giving all of those Republican senators as many options as possible for them to just latch on to and justify which, in whatever way they want, they'll right. vote to acquit. A, a defense like that would have a hard time swaying an impartial jury or swaying, like, a judge. But if what you're swaying is a Congress that has already made up their mind... It's just a matter of throwing enough life buoys out to all those Republican senators so each one of them can grab onto one. <laughs> right. So that's the thing. The, the Republicans have decided that staying in power is more important than providing an honest response to what the president did. I don't think mm -hmm. you can't stay in power. You can't keep your office right now without the president's support. I, th I think the, the president's lawyers did a, a lousy job. I think I would have been able to formulate a much better defense to the Senate and to the American people. They literally got up and declared that they, what they're stating, the opinions and defense that they're putting out there, most scholars would not agree with. <laughs> they I mean, said those words. That's, <laughs> that's not... Especially the mark of a great defense. No. Hey, Roger. Alan Dershowitz's argument was the president can break the law in terms of elections if he thinks it's in the best interest yes. of the country for him to stay president. <laughs> Are you I mean, kidding me? That is not convincing anyone. A better argument would be the president believed his actions to be in the interest of American people. Period. <laughs> End of statement. Still bad. It's bad not good, argument. but that's, that's the only a much way that better that's a, yes a, argument. So here's here's my problem. There could have been better arguments. The problem is there wasn't. Republicans didn't offer an argument. The president's lawyers didn't offer an argument. We haven't been given an argument as to why he didn't break the law. Just that the process has been bad. Well, or that like, um, that what he did doesn't isn't worth removing him from office over. Those are the two kind of main things. Oh, it's a flawed process, that's, that's or a self it's not point. that big a deal. I think the argument that what he did did not rise the level of high crime, that's a valid argument. I don't agree with it, but it's a valid, like, it's I a think, valid argument. Yeah, you, that you, you have a discussion make. to have there, right? right? Like, cool. I can talk to you about that. I can't talk to you about, well... You didn't let us have witnesses, yet your witness is up there right now. Yeah. Well, you, you didn't let us in the skiff. You no, know, there's like 50 Republicans in the skiff right now. What yeah. are you talking about? What's in skiff? Oh, uh, so the skiff was Matt Gates, which is a whole other conversation to have. Matt Gates got a bunch of Republicans together and went down into the closed, uh, hearing room that, uh, oh, they were yeah. in the house because Republicans were not allowed to be in there. The problem is, about a third of the people that he walked down into that room were allowed to be in there when they stormed the room. 
Uh, they took in cell phones, right, which so is the against the law. Right, so the hearing is called in SCIF. It, a SCIF is a windowless room where no electronic devices are allowed. Oh, okay. The idea behind it in this case was they wanted to have witnesses come in ahead of time that could not talk to each other, mm-hmm. so they get they could get your uh they could get your testimony about what you did before they went to Andy. And Andy said, oh, yeah, I did the same thing because you were in the same, he was in the same room with you listening to what you said. Yeah. The idea is you give your testimony and then he's going to get his testimony. And they found out, shockingly, a bunch of people are big damn liars by going through that process. So anyway, (laughs) they went ahead and they stormed the skiff, again, lying to the American people and their own supporters. They went ahead and I don't know. It's, it's all. So, so the lie. When when you just say off the cuff that they lied to the American people, the lie that you're talking about would be all day, faci- every day. Faci- okay, but specifically but facetiously storming the skiff when they were allowed to be there. That is yes, one lie, and then lying about what they were allowed to do within the process. The house's job was to investigate. The house's job was not to put on a trial. Right. There's also, they've said over and over again, the president was not allowed to be there. His lawyers weren't allowed to be there. I can go ahead and pull up the audio clip of uh, Nadler saying, this is a time where we gave the president an opportunity to present his evidence and to ask questions of the witnesses. He has chosen not to be here. So, quick question. Uh, kind of taking a left turn here. I love left turns. Let's say, so this this Three left turns trial, and we're back to where we started. Right. This impeachment trial winds it wraps up the way we expect it to. Um, the president is acquitted by the Republicans in a partisan vote and continues to run for another term, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? Can then or should then the House turn around and impeach him again for the uh, Iran and Qasem Soleimani attack? They can. I mean, I feel like they might almost be able to get a little bit more traction with that in the Senate because a lot of senators were real pissed and very not satisfied with his explanation. It'll still be 53-47. Probably. I think think they've proven it's going to be. I will say the witness's testimony at least was a 51-49. Yeah. And the thing is, if it had been 50-50, there's no guarantee that John Roberts would have voted to break the tie in terms of witnesses. No. Um, He might have. there, There were, like, Four Republicans that they were hopeful and had mm-hmm. made some rhetoric about bringing on witnesses, and two of them went back on that. Well, Mitt Romney and Susan Collins both voted for the witnesses, but then um, the the Alaskan senator, and I can't remember her name now, and um, a Tennessee senator, Lamar Alexander, I think. That'd it be is. Fine. La- it's Lamar Alexander. Yeah. Um, they ended up voting not to see witnesses and the reason that they gave was really interesting lamar alexander's reason i believe you you proved that he did what he did but it doesn't rise to the level of removing from office that is a a self-contradictory and very cynical argument well i think it's a decent argument i think he has at least some something to stand on there I think it was an argument that was made both him and I think, I think 
You said it was Susan Collins who was the other one? Susan Collins did vote for witnesses. Um, oh, look, or, or I can't. My phone's recording. No, but, but like what, what I would say is that, one of them said that it doesn't rise to the, the level, and the other one said that it didn't matter because the process had already been obstructed so much and ruined so much that even if she did vote for witnesses... Right, right. Which which was the whole f***ing point, right? I mean, yeah, so you are the ones who have been obstructing the process. That that really seems like an indefensible statement to me. What yeah. I think both those people were doing is they're both in districts where they will have to fight to keep their seats, and they wanted those sound bites that so that they could go to their voters and say, "Man, I really would have loved to, but oh, the system was broken." Ugh. It wasn't a, it wasn't, it wasn't a high crime or misdemeanor. Gosh, gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. So to, to bring it back to, um, Nixon and Clinton, in the case of Nixon, there was a special prosecutor that was assigned to do the investigation. And by the time of Clinton, it was an independent prosecutor that was leading the investigation. Yeah, who remembers his name? Yeah, he was in part of Trump's defense team. I think Robert Moon. I think no, it's kind of stuff. Yeah, right. So, so the anyway. investigation throwback yeah. <laughs> that was led by the House is actually unprecedented. There's never been an impeachment before that had an investigation that was run solely by the House, which is not an investigative body. It has no tools to conduct an investigation like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a big divergence well, from history. Yeah, so worth worth mentioning the process with Nixon never really made it that far. He was not actually impeached. They didn't even quite get to the House vote on impeachment before he resigned. Right. So there's not really a lot of experience to draw from there, but except for this part that you're talking about, that investigatory process. And then in Clinton, there was actually a little bit of turn up early on in that process, if I remember correctly, where the first special prosecutors had to get dismissed for some reason or other. And then that's when Kenneth Starr took over. Right. Well, the executive branch took it upon itself in both cases, in mm -hmm. the Nixon and in the oh, Clinton to provide investigation, the, uh, yeah. to start an investigation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this White House not only did not start an investigation with the executive yeah. branch, it actively impeded on several fronts the investigation as it was ongoing. This is true intimidating witnesses like literally yeah. intimidating witnesches on twitter yeah while well, and, while they're and, testifying and they're while so, demanding the names of other witnesses so that they can intimidate them <laughs> and the report that that's why they hate the whistleblower so much yeah. is if they have a person they can attack that person right. they can go after their credibility if they just have a generic person they can't do anything. And they've, they've started making up facts about well, the whistleblower. Like he's worked for Biden in the past. Like, how do you know it's a he, much less that he worked for Biden or that yeah. he's a never Trumper or that she is? So I want to bring it back to partisanship. Like, what is the difference between America today during this impeachment process and the America where 
an executive branch takes it upon itself to investigate itself? Like what, mm. what is different? Is credibility not um, an issue anymore? Does that not matter? No, it, it doesn't to Republicans. And I'm, I, I'm sorry. Like I know I'm that guy who keeps on like blaming one side. So forget about the Nixon impeachment for a second. Go back to the, to the Clinton impeachment. There were Democrats who scolded the president for what he did who derided the president for what he did, and the president gave them permission to do so. The president gave them all the information they needed and made it clear that Democrats were absolutely able to vote their conscience. And there are several Democrats who crossed the crossed the line and voted against Clinton because what he did was bad. And Clinton said, man, I did that bad thing and it was bad. I'm sorry about that. And I think we wouldn't be in a, an impeachment situation now if Trump had come forward and said, I'm sorry, I wasn't aware that that was the law, and I will make sure to go through the DOJ or through the attorney general or whatever it is from now on when I'm doing these investigations. But I still think corruption is important, but I'll make sure that I do it in the right way moving forward. We would not be in an impeachment situation now. I think there's a huge, I mean, there's just so much space between not understanding the rules and breaking a rule because you didn't know it and not giving a shit about even knowing the rules because you don't care whether you break it or not. Right. You know, like there's, there's an innocent reason and a malicious reason to not know the rules. I think Trump has, is very proud that he is of that second category. He, he, he but really. We have- we have to understand that this is the president that America voted for. No. They didn't vote for him in spite of ignoring rules and thinking that he's above the law. They voted for that guy. Here's the thing, and I did not, I did not vote for Hillary either. I not, I still wouldn't that. Excuse my French. Um, that's not actually a French word, by the way. I don't know if you knew that or not. Leif. <laughs> that's it. There you go. It's, it's German, um, actually. So, <laughs> pardon my German. Trump lost the popular vote. This is not the president that most people in America wanted. I didn't say most. The, the, the people, majority. The people of America. The, by our electoral but, college, this is the president that was decided. And it took enough of them, unless you really want to say that the election was wholesale fraud, it took enough of the American people to make him president. Well, and so this is the problem. And and I was... I, I, I got a couple things on this to, to throw out there, if, if I may. So for, first is this electoral college issue. And I, I was reading an article earlier that did the math out on the 2020 election and basically found that Trump could lose by 5 million votes and still re- win the election again. Man, the electoral college sucks. So that's up. That is ridiculous. Well, he, he, now, could, he could lose by all the votes and still be elected president again because the representatives wrote him in. Well, in theory, I mean, that's, that's true too. But that's something yeah, that doesn't come that's a up little enough. I guess but, but that would also is, yeah. that would also suck. That would also suck. But that also has I don't has rarely, if ever, happened. So the other thing I was going to touch on was something that you guys had brought up a little bit ago, which is how this polarization has kind of happened and why the the parties have become what they are. And there's this idea that, you know, each of us has various identities, right? Sure. Categories that you fall under. Mm-hmm. Um, 
maybe your your race, your religion, the area you live in, your level of education, your all of these different kind of things. And uh, we all belong to different kinds of tribes. Yes. And a lot of them have different kind of ideals. And so there's two kinds of ways that that happens. One, which is referred to as a cross-cut identity, means you have a lot of different identities and groups that you belong in that pull you in various directions. So one, you know, you might belong to a a church that kind of pulls you socially a little bit to the right, but you also belong to a volunteer soup kitchen group that sort of pulls some of those social benefit stuff to the left. And mm-hmm. there's and it just there's a little bit of a dynamic and pulling in different directions it balances it out. You know, like a like the head of a drum, right? As opposed to stacked identities where they kind of echo into themselves. So being say a part of this right wing evangelical Christian church and being a member of the Republican Party and being, I, I don't know what else they do. Um, <laughs> I, I personally reject the notion of identity politics in general. I don't think that belonging to any group defines who you are, what you think, what your opinions are going to be. I don't think being a member of a church, being a member of a soup kitchen, being a member of the NRA shapes who you are. I think you are the person that you are who signed up to be in the NRA. Right. You don't, I don't think you have an obligation because you're a member of a union to vote the way your union tells you you should vote. 100%. Or the NRA, like a church, NRA, whatever. You are an individual. Well, so... this is that the doesn't thing. also happen very often. This is the thing, right? There's those you're if you're spending time with those people, they have an influence on you and you have an influence on them. That is how interactions work. Right. Um, and socializations work. So if you are going to union meetings every week, then their opinions are going to affect you a little bit. Now, sometimes they, you might react to them and move and push in the opposite direction, but sometimes you might start to get bought in a little bit. Right. So, so does, does does this tie back into polarization? Yes, because if all of your groups are things that stack and basically feel the same way about of the same about all right. the same issues, then you don't seem to you. you I hate the you word. You don't expose yourself to diversity of opinion. Yes, and therefore your opinion doesn't diversify. Sure. And you are more likely to say, just vote down the ticket. See, 50 years ago, 75 years ago, most people's ballots when they voted would be a Republican here, Democrat here, this issue, that issue. They'd be all over the place. Um, the, the parties themselves and their stances weren't as clearly defined. The people who ran in a party, you, you'd have a left wing and a right wing of each party. And it was each party themselves were more balanced. The Republican Party has focused onto a few issues. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Party, however, is this coalition thing, and you hear them still talk about it, the Obama coalition, but the problem with the coalition compared to is it's very hard to to mobilize. You've got to make concessions in order to bring this group in. You might lose some of that group and things like that. I always use the phrase pluralistic. It's a mm-hmm. group of people that have chosen to come together. I don't know what the reasoning is, mm-hmm. but it seems like, for the most part, conservatives tend to vote together as a block. Can, can you define pluralistic? Or Like I was saying, you yeah. have a bunch of different groups that come together. So... You know about the melting pot, the American melting pot, the idea that we bring in immigrants or different people from different areas. 
that's a crappy analogy because it means that everybody has to be the same at the end. Everybody is this weird mm-hmm. like fondue goop at the end. <laughs> but the analogy, <laughs> the analogy that I like is uh, more of a toss salad. Mm. We have all these different people together and they're in one bowl together and they're different, but they're still in the same bowl. But the tomatoes all go to the bottom. Not, not if you use cherry tomatoes and you cut them in half. I mean, we're oh. we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but no, I agree. But with no, that. what I'm saying is that you asked what the definition of pluralism is. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that the Democrats do well is they bring together a bunch of different groups into one argument, and those groups don't always agree. There, there's constantly this back and forth, this this negotiation of what our platform is going to be. In a different way, it seems, than Republicans have. Republicans always seem to be in lockstep. Well, and that's not 100% true. I don't like to use a, like a generalization for anybody. But it seems like it's easier to get a group of large group of Republicans to vote one way than it is to get a large group of Democrats to vote one way. So psychologically, there's actually a really big reason for this. Which is going back to what, what types of people, what types of psychologies are held by and, and how people think. People who tend to be conservative usually focus more on the policies and less on the, the coalition. The Democrats want to bring in this group, bring in that group. Their purpose is to bring in the support of the unions or the African American bloc or the whatever. Um, whereas the Republicans, are less focused on building that coalition and more focused on this is the issue we need to rally behind. What What's the important psychological factor? It has to do with brain chemicals, serotonin versus dopamine, things like that. What Do you want to build a family or do you want to build an empire kind of thing? A, a director type person, right? A very direct facts and... You, you kind of lost me. Yeah, can you, can you bring it this to a, a, psych, to a psychological, like something that's taught in a textbook, like a, a term or a yeah. So all right, uh, so serotonin, dopamine, estrogen, testosterone are the four chemicals that most influence and affect your personality. The balance of those chemicals in your brain and, and, and what triggers and releases those chemicals at what. So whatever triggers the release of those chemicals in your brain, especially serotonin and dopamine, um, to, to stimulate the pleasure center, basically, of your brain, is how your personality is formed through li- a lifetime of associations and experiences. So say you have a great time watching Star Wars when you're young. You've now built up a dopamine, or a, uh, rather maybe a serotonin pathway, from between science fiction and pleasure and so you like science fiction now i I want to bring that back to the polarization of the parties absolutely so so serotonin and dopamine have two very different effects serotonin is more of like calming and is more present in people whose personalities and this is the kind of the psychology of it they want people around they want to feel like they're in good company the people oriented people and then there's the task-oriented people, I guess, often a little bit more dopamine-oriented. You get adrenaline going and stuff. Um, and so this is where, what do they respond to? What types of 
politics do they respond to? The more liberal Democrats, whatever that group, the left, you can call it, they tend to respond more to coalition building. If a candidate can appeal to all these different groups, look at how the Democratic primary is going and, and the way that the coverage is on, on the Democratic primary. They spend so much time talking about which candidate can appeal to all the different groups okay. to build I that think, coalition. I think I see what you're saying. On the yeah. other hand, the Republicans kind of just say, the Democrats are screwing everything up. We have to fix this and this. Here's the candidate who's going to do that well, to a certain extent. Like now Bernie tries about... to tap into that, by, and, and it, he generates a lot of excitement from pe from a lot of moderates, even though he's pretty far to the left with his policy because of that, because he's drawing in a lot of people who have that more Republican, not Republican way of thinking, but that more issue-based politics, and they can latch on to what he's saying. It's interesting. I mean, I heard a lot of, like, it seems like it was a lot of libertarians, but a lot of people saying during the last election, mm -hmm. I'm either voting for Trump or Bernie. Yeah. And like such and right, a it was wild, a wild, like a wild difference between those two candidates. But what was appealing to them about them both is that they were both anti-establishment. Yeah. Um, and they were both very. This is the policy we need, right? If you if you look at the rhetoric, I think that the the stark contrast that you have between them it blurs around the edges a little bit. I won't say it disappears, but mm -hmm. um, like oh, yeah. attacking big pharma identifying certain problems that they are coming from a certain group. They both um, correctly identified that Washington is corrupt. Yeah. yeah. Washington is corrupt. You know, I identifying these problems and having like it's it's populism. Having populist um solution, having a scapegoat. Yeah. And I think one thing you were talking about, Andy, your description of how certain people react, like having a charismatic guy come in with the red hats and the build the wall and the like really simple slogans, like really easy. You you go ahead and you wear this red hat, you hold up this sign, you chant these things, and you are a patriot. You love your country if you follow this guy. And I think that he's brought, like Pat was talking about earlier, like, he had support then, and he still has that support now. Like, he has a wild amount of support for how controversial he is. They they both promised that they would fix health care in opposite directions and for different reasons, but they both made those same sort of campaign promises. And it's yeah. an open question, like, things that Trump has done differently in office versus his election promises. Mm -hmm. It's an open question if Bernie would have been more effective in fulfilling his promises. Right. I don't think Bernie would have been effective at all in that you still have Senate exactly where it is now mm -hmm. if Bernie gets elected. Right. I, yeah. I think Bernie at least is a little bit more earnest about his promises. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's one thing that... seats are up this year, though. I'm well, I can tell now. you one seat that's up is Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. Oh, get him out! I hate that. So, I saw a figure somewhere that it's it said two thirds of the Senate. It could. I think it, every two years, two thirds of the Senate is up because they have six year terms. That makes sense. It could flip because of Trump. <laughs> like the wild thing is that it could go Democratic because people are so 
mm-hmm. opposed to Trump. And I don't That's mean that. That's possible, but or it could flip further Republican because if the impression that the American people got from the impeachment was that it was a sham and a waste of time and a needless attack from the Democrats on the Republicans, I'm not necessarily making that argument. But if that's the impression that the American people get, it might have no effect or a negative effect on Democrat chances to take over the Senate. I honestly think the impeachment had no effect on anybody. Because the people who are going to be making that bad faith argument that you just made, and you did, you said you did not believe it yourself, are the Republicans and the people who are going to be listening to those That's people. That's not like, an argument. That's an impression. That's, that is your takeaway from the trial. And I very well could believe that the I, you impeachment just trial was a sham. But you just said that you didn't. Well, he I said, said I don't necessarily. A, per, a person can the, believe that that trial was a sham. The argument that I'm making think, doesn't need me to believe anything. I absolutely agree that that trial was a sham. You're, because, trying, to, you're trying to put me yeah, in well, the place of a stance that doesn't require me to be there. Fair enough. Yeah. So enough. I reject so you what I, putting words in my mouth. Like sure. That. Face. Uh, it was not my intention to put words in your mouth. I do apologize for that. Sure. However the trial was a sham because that's what the Republicans made it. They broke their oath. They did not look any, at any additional evidence. They did not call the witness that said, hey, I can confirm this thing that you are directly looking into right now or the other witnesses that also said that they could do that. The Republicans were the reason why it was a sham trial. Do, do you want to get back to the substantive argument of what the impeachment was about? Because we can go back to the main point of whether it was sure, an impeachable I think, an offense I think, or not. I, we can we can absolutely go there. I think, like I said before, I think that's a that's a valid argument. If people genuinely thought this is not an impeachable offense, I think that's fine. It wasn't an argument to not call witnesses. It was an argument to ultimately vote to acquit the president. So I'm not, I sort of I, I don't want to say I, I disagree because I don't, but I, I should say I can see there's a certain legitimacy to the idea that. Additional witnesses to confirm that he did what he did is not necessary if you believe that he did what he did. And I think that there's a low chance that an additional witness is going to convince someone that suddenly it was more impeachable or more removed from officeable, if you will. There's a chance where they could argue, so they could, something that they could say may turn one of those Republicans to say, whoa, wait, all right, he did what now? Hmm. That's a big, big problem. That's not okay. But I think most likely, if you already, yeah, okay, I know what he did. I'm not really convinced that it's this big problem that you're making it out to be. I think that you're just latching on to it as some reason to impeach a president that you don't like. And that's where I think, say, this Lamar Alexander is at. So you're you're starting off with an American populace that doesn't know the wording of high crimes and misdemeanors, doesn't necessarily know what that is or what that looks like, and sees what what is essentially bullying a smaller country, Ukraine, into doing something that President Trump wanted, you have to lead them along and convince them that it fits into the definition of high crimes and misdemeanors, that that is an abuse of power. 
not only did the American people not all know what that was in the first place or fit that definition, they might not see anything wrong with that. And I think, I think what we're going to find out in the next election is whether the American people see anything wrong with that. And I think you're right. Like I said, there was two different arguments. There was a political argument and there was a legal argument. I think the Democrats made a good legal argument. Mm-hmm. I don't think they made a political dent in any way. I also want to say, I think you changed my mind there, Andy, uh, in terms of what Lamar Alexander was saying, assuming that his thought process is genuine and he's not just trying to pull the wool over our eyes. Which granted I think, is a big assumption. That's fair, but like, let's, let's say we're going to take, uh, take him at his word. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said for, you already convinced me that he did what he did, but I don't think it's a high crime or misdemeanor, so I don't need to hear a witness because I've already been convinced that he did this thing. <laughs> Which is with his example, and I liked it, uh, in, in his little soundbite was, I already got eight witnesses that got me walking away from a crime. I don't need a ninth. I was walking away from the crime. Yeah, you got me. I was there. But but was my crime a felony or a mis- you know what I mean? But his That's vote, where he's at. His vote closed the door on anyone else that might have been further convinced. Right. Either Agreed. way. Agreed. I really wish he would have called the vote because I think if you bring some of those witnesses, maybe you start to crack the walls or the hold that Trump has on some of the other Republicans Maybe he still gets acquitted, but maybe it's not as big a margin as he would have, I, as he wanted. It dreams a, a guy can dream, right? Can I, can I make a pragmatic argument for a second? I doubt it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I so clever. <laughs> um, I honestly don't think it matters all that much no. because here's what's going to happen: he was never going to be removed from office. No. We knew that before we started the impeachment in the House. We said that in our podcast before the impeachment started, right? He was never going to be removed, right. um, and I don't think anybody thought he was going to be removed. We wanted witnesses, honestly, from a political standpoint, because it would confirm what he did, and it's going to make him look bad. Like, from a Democratic, pragmatic argument, it's going to make it harder for him to get reelected if we have witnesses, and I can go ahead and throw up an ad of John Bolton in front of the Senate saying, oh, yeah, he he did this thing. It's terrible. He absolutely did it. It's going to be worse for him. But the thing is, John Bolton has a book coming out, which, that guy. He is not a good man. John Bolton is awful. Because if you know that he broke the law, your job is to come forward with that information, not to write a book about it and try and make money off of it. Right? I mean, but... At least someone is being honest, though, you know, about what happened. So depending on who can be convinced, this lack of witnesses in the Senate trial could go either way. Like, it could be a big victory for the Democrats because of all of the impediment, because of all of the obstruction that was very plain to see going on. There could be a theoretical person who is convinced, oh, those Republicans are clearly not even taking the process seriously and could be persuaded, like, you know, maybe I'll consider voting Democrat. I don't know if that person exists, but that hypothetical person could be. That person person certainly exists, and the opposite person also exists. There's going to be a person, (laughs) well, there's going to be a person who's like, Hell yeah, I didn't like that guy before, but he supported Trump. So now I like I've got he had my guy's back. I'm going to have his back now. I think there are people who 
it depends on what district in the country you're in, mm. whether it's going to help you or hurt you. That's why Pelosi for so long didn't want to do an impeachment because she knew that the midterms had been great. The midterms had like you had more Democrats voted in at higher levels than you have at any other time in American history. You had this But then new why wave. why now? Why why Because the president she... was like, I broke the law. Here's a paper that said I broke the law. I'm going to say I broke the law. And my lawyer's going to say I broke the law. And my chief of staff is going to say I broke the law. He didn't give him a choice. When, like, when are you talking about that he said that he broke you know, the law because... You don't remember that uh, press conference he had where he did the dance and everything? Do, 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 do. I'm questioning the timing of what... Cool. Of your uh, characteristic of it because um, I think think that the impeachment, the entire process was begun before the president said, like, yeah, I did that. I will go ahead. I'm going to throw in a fact check here. Okay. Because I'm not sure. I I believe that what the president did was he released the transcript that showed him breaking the law, and then he came out and he said he broke the law. But that it was a perfect call. It, well, he had not gotten the perfect call, oh, uh, yeah. quote, quite yet. And then Mick Mulvaney came out and said, yeah, he broke the law and you need to get over it. And then Rudy went on TV and said, okay. yeah, he broke the law. I don't think they used the phrase broke the law. No. But they did describe the crime that he yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, Nick Mulvaney's comment was basically, yeah, presidents do this all the time. This is how business gets oh, done. He, he said, we do, this, we all do this all the time in terms of like America does this all the time. We like strong arm people. In order to get done what we mm-hmm. need to have done. Which is not untrue. But I think that I still feel like he pushed her to have to do it. Back check, back check, back check. And welcome back to Fact Check. Here are a series of recordings of a variety of people confirming that the president broke the law. First off, here we have Chris Cuomo talking to Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal lawyer about if he asked for an investigation into the Bidens. Rudy admits to doing so on behalf of his client, Donald John Trump, in the most bumbling way possible. September 20th, 2019. Did you ask the Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden? No, actually I didn't. I asked the Ukraine to investigate the allegations that there was interference in the election of 2016 by the Ukrainians for the benefit of Hillary Clinton for which there already is a court finding. You never asked anything about Hunter Biden. You never asked anything about Joe Biden. The only thing I asked about Joe Biden is to get to the bottom of how it was that Lutsenko, who was appointed, dismissed the case against Antac. So you did ask Ukraine to look into Joe Biden? Of course I did. You just said you didn't. No, I didn't ask him to look into Joe Biden. I asked him to look into the allegations that related to my client, which tangentially involved Joe Biden in a massive bribery scheme, not unlike what he did in China. Rudy. We have the president himself saying point blank that he wanted Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden. There's a lot of chopper noise in the background. So just to be clear, the reporter's question is, quote, what exactly did you hope Zelensky would do about the Bidens after your phone call? Exactly. October 3rd, 2019. Well, I would think that if they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Biden. It's a very simple answer. Next, we have Mick Mulvaney talking to the White House press corps. His answer is a little long, but I think the context is important. October 17th, 2019. 
Did he also mention to me in the past that the, 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 the corruption related to the DNC server? Absolutely. No question about that. Um, but that's it. And that's why we held up the money. Now, there was a report. So, 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 so the demand for an investigation into the Democrats was part of the reason that he it was ordered the, to withhold funding to Ukraine. The, the look back to what happened in 2016 certainly was, was part of the thing that he was worried about in corruption with that nation. And that is absolutely appropriate. the funding. Yeah, which, which ultimately then flowed. But to be clear, what you just described is a quid pro quo. It is funding will not flow unless the investigation into the, into the Democratic server uh, happened as well. We, we, do, we do that all the time with foreign policy. We were holding up money at the same time for, uh, what was it, the Northern Triangle countries. We were holding up aid at the Northern Triangle countries so that they, uh, so that they would change their policies on immigration. By, by the way, and this speaks to it. This speaks to an important. I'm sorry. This speaks to an important point because I heard this yesterday, and I can never remember the gentleman who testified. Was it McKinney the guy? Is that his name? I don't know him. He testified yesterday. And if you go and if you believe the news reports, okay, because we've not seen any transcripts of this. The only transcript I've seen was Sondland's testimony morning this morning. If you read the news reports and you believe them, what did McKinney say yesterday? Well, McKinney said yesterday that he was really upset with the political influence in foreign policy. That was one of the reasons he was so upset about this. And I have news for everybody. Get over it. There's going to be political influence in foreign policy. And lastly, we have Gordon Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, who seemingly got his position in exchange for a $1 million donation to the Trump inaugural committee. Here he is talking to the House Judiciary Committee, November 20th, 2019. I know that members of this committee frequently frame these complicated issues in the form of a simple question. Was there a quid pro quo? As I testified previously, with regard to the requested White House call and the White House meeting, the answer is yes. Nancy Pelosi announced the impeachment inquiry on September 24, 2019. So Pat was correct in that neither Trump Mick Mulvaney or Gordon Sondland had confirmed that Donald Trump had broken the law until after the announcement. However, Rudy Giuliani's disastrous performance on CNN with Chris Cuomo came just four days before this announcement. There are other things leading to the announcement, and I could tell you about them, but instead, let's just hear it from Nancy herself. Last Tuesday, we observed the anniversary of the adoption of the Constitution on September 17th. Sadly, on that day, the intelligence community inspector general formally notified the Congress that the administration was forbidding him from turning over a whistleblower complaint on Constitution Day. This is a violation of law. Shortly thereafter, press reports began to break of a phone call by the President of the United States calling upon a foreign power to intervene in his election. This is a breach of his constitutional responsibilities. The facts are these. The Intelligence Community Inspector General, who was appointed by President Trump, determined that the complaint is both of urgent concern and credible. And its disclosure, he went on to say, relates to one of the most significant and important of the Director of National Intelligence's responsibility to the American people. On Thursday, the Inspector General testified before the House Intelligence Committee stating that the acting Director of National Intelligence blocked him from disclosing the whistleblower complaint. This is a violation of law. The law is unequivocal. 
the DNI staff, uh, it, it says the DNI, DNI, Director of National Intelligence, shall provide Congress the full whistleblower complaint. And that's it. Let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. She didn't want to do it. I don't think it was a smart political move. I don't think she thought it was a smart political move. I think she felt like she didn't have a choice because that's what the Constitution says the House needs to do in these cases. And that's why, like, when you're really convinced that that is a crime. Yeah. And apparently we are not as a country convinced that that was a crime now when you say broke the law i'm i'm asking where's the law point the law out to me I when you say he broke the law what law like i i don't think that i mean you would look, be looking at the clause that says high crimes and misdemeanors I can, I can in the i can read it exactly the, the law says that you cannot ask a foreign power for a thing of personal value Back check, back check, back check. Did you miss me? The specific law that Trump broke that we're talking about right now is 52 U.S. Code Section 30121, Contributions and Donations by Foreign Nationals. Fun fact, here are a few other laws that he broke. 18 U.S. Code Section 595, Interference by Administrative Employees of Federal, State, or territorial governments, 18 U.S. Code Section 610, Coercion of Political Activity, 2 U.S. Code Section 192, Refusal of Witness to Testify or Produce Papers, and 18 U.S. Code Section 872, Extortion by Officers or Employees of the United States. I'm not saying that's the only laws he's broken, I'm just saying those are a few. And that's it. Let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. That's bribery. That's the bribery clause. Yes. He did that thing. His charge was not even bribery. Well, it was abuse of power, which means, and the context of the first article was he, what was the word he used? The the definition? That's Uh, what he did. (laughs) He asked a foreign power for a thing of value. For a personal value. And the thing is, he could have... All he had to do was go to the attorney general and say, hey, can you go ahead and ask Ukraine for this investigation? Yeah. No no crime broken then. They, they really screwed the pooch on the timing because they could have brought Iran. They could have brought emoluments with his Trump hotel. They could have brought lots of things that might have had more traction. I mean, even if this mm-hmm. thing matters anyway. Well, I think so they can, can they can impeach him again if they want. They could, but they're not going to. And no. I can tell you the reason why they brought this forward is because it's simple. The, they didn't want all the other stuff. The they American wanted, people don't necessarily believe that that is even a crime. That is not true. 80% of Americans want witnesses in this trial. 49% of Fox News viewers that's wanting not a verdict. witnesses. That's not a verdict. Right, but... Wanting witnesses, it, yeah. It's, the that's thing is... more reasonable. But the thing is, it doesn't matter what they think because he asked for a thing of value from a foreign power. We're, we're done. Like, that's, that's the crime. He crimed. And okay, you want to get also, back to substance. So, is investigation a thing of value? Yes. I can show you... Uh, I actually had to look this up the other day. The FEC 
has an it depends on how you look at it. Investigation is for sure a thing of value. Opposition research, which is the nicer way to say this, also listed as the FEC of a thing as a thing of value. Hmm. I can show you the form where where they actually say it. Well, and but even if you like, let's say the phone call was perfect. Holding up the money was also a crime. So holding up the money. How did 90, how did he even get the power to do that in the first place? He's president, and he called. So 91 minutes after he finished his call with Ukraine, he called up the people, and I forget the... Mini fact check. I swear, I think this is the last one. A White House Office of Management and Budget official emailed the Pentagon asking to, quote, please hold off on distributing military aid to Ukraine just 91 minutes after the July 25th phone call between President Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky according to an email released as part of the Freedom of Information Act request by the Center for Public Integrity. Mini fact check. If if he doesn't Zelensky? have the power if he doesn't no. have the power to do this and he never should have done it in the first place, then why did anyone let him do it? It's it's like nobody it's, stopped him doing it. Like yeah. he just because there, there's just, several people in his administration who told him you can't do this. Well and he there's also there, there's people who quit because they told him you can't do this yeah. and he did it anyway. Like a like a, like six people. And he did a lot of it through non-government officials such as Lev Parnas. Lev Parnas, who doesn't work for the government, uh, he worked for Rudy Giuliani. He was the one doing a lot of this intimidation, you know, him and his, what's his cohort's name? I forget. But <laughs> I, um, I forget. I, I also don't know. Yeah. But um, I know the DOJ came out and said, we broke the law. We broke the law when we held up the finances. Well, they released that report last week. Yeah. And if you want to argue motive about, you know, is that a thing of value? Um, I mean, which it, it is a thing of value. The next step of that argument is, is that why he asked for it? And hey, guess what? Alan Dershowitz himself lost a court case that set that precedent that said, if there is a corrupt motive, then it's corrupt. Also, John Bolton said that he did it because of the yeah. Biden investigation. Yeah. I mean, you get the witness. It's, saying, the, but, the thing is, but it I doesn't don't matter think... as long as that is a possible motivation. You can't. You can get charged with that corruption. Yeah, but apparently not impeached or not well, removed. But again, that's just because of partisanship. Yeah, that's because. Well, the... now it's precedent. Yeah. Yes. So sure, now it's legal precedent. We're going to refer anyway, back to the it Republicans until the broke end out. of time. I think this is a good time. Yeah. I think we should move on to. Uh... Say, let's wrap this episode up and do that as a separate. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's okay. I have time. Cool. Do you guys have well, time? Yeah. Did, so, um, does anybody want to make a, a closing remark about uh, today, like oh, about man. the the issues today? Like, just put a put an exclamation point at the end of it. I'll try. For me, this is this is just a big okie dokie stamp on running corrupt governments. Trump, who was elected on a campaign of drain the swamp, has very effectively made the swamp undrainable. I think it's worrisome. I am hopeful that the American people, not of a particular side or the other side, I am hopeful that the American people will vote for substance, vote for integrity, vote for people who aren't corrupt. Um, I don't know that that hope is going to be well founded. So that, that is very worrisome.
I think the Republican Party no longer gets to be the party of law and order. They have hung that up now. <laughs> I think this is going to be around their necks for decades. Bum, bum. And we'll, we'll see how it works. And again, there's a difference between ethics and legality and politics. And this is bad ethics. It is bad legal precedent. It might be good politics. I honestly don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. But I think... The next time a Republican pulls out, like, well, I think them illegal aliens, you just need to slap them against the face, like, uh, verbally. You have an I am a friend. <laughs> I'm a pacifist. Assault yeah. them. Verbal assault. No, but I, I don't think anyone who voted, I don't think anyone who's voting yes, because we actually don't know what the vote is yet. It's happening while we're sitting here right now. Right now. Oh, I think, gee, I wonder... Uh, so maybe like we're gonna look Whatever like idiots. Could it be? We're gonna look like idiots when we find out that Trump is being uh, removed from office. Dude, like that would be day. the greatest blindside in Survivor history. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I, I put the odds at lower than lightning will strike me right now. I don't think anyone who votes to acquit today should get another vote. I don't think anyone who believes in this cult of personality over the law should get another vote. Well, so the, the, the actual vote for acquittals, yes, when they go up to be reelected, I don't think their people should vote for them. Oh, okay, that's. Um, does anybody the actual expected vote for a removal from office or acquittal is on Wednesday? Okay, so they're making the final arguments, or they have probably finished at this point. Today the final is, I believe, final arguments and and some other sort of housekeeping stuff. Yeah, the official mm-hmm. final vote is Wednesday because. <laughs> There's a whole cascade of shit <laughs> coming up where tonight, tonight is the Democratic, well, the caucus in Iowa, Iowa the Iowa caucus. Oh, and, and, and Republicans, but who cares about that? Right? And tomorrow, mwah, we have the, the State, State of the Union. Union. Oh. I almost, I almost feel like we should get together and, uh, I want to live, live, live stream, live stream the State of the Union. Besides closing remarks, does, does anybody have a, a precious moment from the week? I have a sort of one. Do you want to do the sound? Precious moments. <laughs> Precious moments. Every time you do that, by the way, I just replace it with the sound effect anyway, so oh, I really? love that you That's do fine. it. <laughs> it's also getting uh, more slurred yeah. as we go. <laughs> so it's not an actual thing that happened, um, but it is a fantasy that I've been having over the last couple of days. Ooh, which tell is me about that your fantasy. On... Wait, where'd that horse crop come from? From the I, Senate. I was I, looking my at fantasy? two two different volumes of Fifty Shades. Yeah. <laughs> so on the bookshelf, I was like, oh, that's conspicuous. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, anyway, Andy, tell us about your Someone deepest, else who lives here. That's hey, true. Andy, tell us about your deepest, darkest fantasies. Yes. So it's not that deep or dark, really. It's just sort of fantastical um, in this vision, in this dream. The Senate votes 99 to 1 to remove President Trump from office. Mitch McConnell is left standing as the sole vote hanging off, and he is removed from office, and the spell is broken, and America is fixed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's my dream. (laughs) Ding dong, the Mitch is dead. Mitch old Mitch. The The Moscow Mitch. Mitch. (laughs) Oh, uh, oh dear! It's just I just and again, oh, I want this dead to be over. Ol- dead only in a very like non violent way. Yeah, I want anyway. Mitch to live a nice long miserable life. 
as long as it's miserable, I'm fine with them continuing. Anyway, yeah. So that's that. Uh, that's, that's my a, precious moment. That's a good that's fantasy. What, that's what's going. In, it's in weird that you joked life. about it not being erotic because I have a huge nerd for music. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, do you, you want to go or I can go? I don't. I don't have anything. I uh. So I think my precious moment from this week happened last night, this morning. However you want to look at it, Sarah uh had had this weird dream last night where she went to jail and got out, and like the the dream was after she got out of jail, like us like living together, and like some other stuff happened. Apparently, there was a florist or something as well, but. Last night when I went to bed, I had a dream that I went to jail. Like my brain had like lodged that in where I was like, all right, I want to be empathetic with my wife. So I am also going to go to jail. (laughs) Sarah had said when she woke up, she like had to think for a minute. Wait, did I go to jail? (laughs) My dad used to fall asleep to the news all the time. And he had this one story of how he went to sleep uh, watching like headline news or whatever and woke up like dead convinced for about 30 seconds that we had switched over from the gold standard to maple leaves. And he was like thinking like, <laughs> shit, I got to go. Like he was saying like, I had to get my rake together until like his brain put together. That did not make any any sense. So he was convinced for a very short period of time that Love we, it. uh, we had switched over to leaves. But yeah, that, that was my, my fun little like, Oh, I, I love my wife, even in dreams. Oh. So I don't necessarily have a precious moment from this week, but on, on the subject of dreams, my recurring nightmare, I used to be an actor, and my recurring nightmare is being up on stage, not even having read a single word of any of my lines, <laughs> and having absolutely nothing to go on and just have to like make up whatever uh lines on the spot or being in school and either not studying for the test or not knowing my locker combination like i my brain i guess still thinks i'm in high school because like i'll be you know, at the locker and know which one is mine but just have absolutely no <laughs> idea what the combination is and like I'm late for class. Oh my god! Or wow. not knowing my syllabus, like not knowing where the next class is. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, so I guess I still have anxiety over school, even like <laughs> this far removed. Like basically a decade almost since uh, since school. That's troublesome. Mm. <laughs> I guess so, those scars run mm. deep. Well, that's I not guess a that very pretty much wraps us up for today. That's all right. No, no, listen. <laughs> Every five teeth down, twenty-seven to go. You wanna just bite over just the cups? Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed our episode. Uh, we have question mark. Oh yeah, no, this yeah. is fun. Yeah, no, it's good. Absolutely. All right. Well, guys, I think I really need to come up with a catchphrase. <laughs> all right. Thanks for stopping by. Love you. Bye. Welcome to Be the Dead Source, your home for post-oral surgery narration. My name is Nathan, your most numb host.